everyone. Welcome back to the Torbay Hospitality Podcast. Today, we have a cracking episode with the inside track on what's going on in the hospitality sector. We have three fantastic interviews. We've got Rob from Allsop Pits, Simon Steer from Concilio Insurance, and an exclusive interview with a spokesman from Save Singleton Gardens to talk through how you can get involved in saving this community garden for the public good. So we want to give some shout outs. We wanted to say thank you for everyone that got in touch this week. Your support has been incredible. So shout out to Lorraine, Anthony, Captain Craig Gomez, <laughs> Paul and Matt over at Betty's Worths, Glenn from Jet Set Go, who awarded that fab prize, and Farrahlicious, who's been whining and dining her way through Torquay. Seriously, Farrah, give us a call. We'd love to have you on the podcast. How about you, Colin? Or Colin. Colin. Colin's our new guest. Is Colin in the room with us right now, then? You have been called everything this week, Kathy. <laughs> you have no idea. Callum, any shout-outs? Yeah, well, we have to give a big shout-out to wonderful Trish Whittock, who turned yeah. 60 this oh, week. Applause for Trish. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well done. Right. And, and David, do you have any shout-outs for the... For our listeners this week? The shout-out this week is a call to action to save He's single-minded. I'm very focused. <laughs> so, yeah, in general, we've got some general news. Dawlish has been named as the top destination this bank holiday weekend by TripAdvisor. Thanks, TA. Always a good friend to Torbay. Congrats to Dawlish. And if you travel a bit further south, come on down and explore lovely Torbay. That's what we've got to say about that. There is a draft assessment about Torquay pubs and bars out for a new public consultation, and they're looking at the density of licensed premises that might cause problems. Um, you visit the Torbay Council website to have your voice heard. And speaking of having your voice heard, today we're welcoming David, spokesperson for Save Singleton, and he's here today with details of an important upcoming planning meeting. Welcome, David. Thank you, Lynn. It's a pleasure, and thank, thank you, you, Callum. <laughs> Not Colin, but Callum. <laughs> um, well, guys, this is my first podcast, and I'm feeling very excited and privileged to be here. Um, with regard to the content, Content. Uh, this is not a diatribe. This is really a community and a very lined up process that we're trying to help everybody in Torquay raise the profile of the hospitality sector and also the tourism and see it as a quality destination mm. on the English Riviera. Mm. Um, with regard to Singleton Gardens, if those of you who don't know about it, a brief synopsis. It is a part of the conservation area in Meadfoot Sea Road, right in the bottom towards Meadfoot uh, Beach. It's a lovely part of the, to of the town and it's mm. a very green part of the town. And Green Field is the new direction of travel for central government. And this is the real issue we have in Torquay. We want to have lovely parts of the town and a heritage trail mm. because the town is well known for heritage. We have Agatha Christie, who described Meadfoot as aristocratic. Thanks, Agatha. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. They can help. The dead can help you. But unfortunately, <laughs> the, um, the real issue is trying to protect. Mm. And everybody now in the climate emergency wants to protect green. Green and sustainable is the message. Yes. So, Herlin, uh, hospitality does dominate the sector. And what's so interesting about Singleton Gardens, which is the site that we're talking about today, is it used to provide the fruit and vegetables for the hotels in the town. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's very interesting. It was always a market garden for the last 
200 years. Wow. Fascinating to know. And until very recently, was still operating. We don't have precise details, but we do know that the one family were three generations. And subsequently, it has now been purchased. And this is why we need the rallying round of the community. So thank you for the opportunity to explain and express people's views. Mm. <clears throat> With regard to the way forward for hospitality, we do want an all-year-round resort. And this, I think, has been an issue probably for 50 years. Because reading 1971 Herald, there it is again, mm. they have issues out of season. And when you have a, a process where you've got a lot of money coming in in one part of the year and then struggling for the rest, it makes it tough. Mm. So what we're trying to understand is how to change that. Yeah. And what we can do is change the way we work. And the way we work with a food production basis is its imports. We're thinking that the best way forward for everybody who lives in England is, again, digging for victory. Mm. It's an old adage, but actually it worked. Our ambassador for Singleton Gardens is Sir Tim Smith. You may know him from the Eden Project or wow. the Lost Gardens of Heligan. Thank you for the wows. I love that. Fab. No, it's brilliant. It's quite compelling it when you is. go into the history of Torquay. Because he's quite involved with, um, yeah, I've heard of him from the Eden Project. Well, he's actually generated for Cornwall, which was, again, another part of the country that struggles with seasonality over the tenure of his projects, two billion. Mm. So these are big numbers, Lynn. Yeah. We and could use that. We could, because mm. we could use it well rather than unwisely. I think the commoditization of retailing and the way we all have to drive to these out of central town supermarkets is actually quite complicated for mm. a large demographic. So for the elderly, for the infirm, for those not capable to have transport of their own, it can be quite challenging. Mm. What we're hoping is with the regeneration of the town, we can begin in Wellswood. Wellswood is the conservation area, and this is a very important part of the heart of the town where people want to protect their green space. Mm. Green space is so vital because we all come to Devon for that experience. You don't come for high rise. You don't come for retail. You don't come for shopping. That's other towns. But here we have hospitality and hospitality and nourishment and restaurants and fine dining is littered through Torquay. It's got a fantastic choice. Unfortunately, where do those ingredients come from? Mm. So starting the project, we decided to go to the experts. Always start at the top. So here we have the Covent Garden Market Association. Uh -oh. Now, this is interesting. Having met the people who run this association, the turnover is £650 million a year. What? And Covent Garden? That's correct. Well, They supply not supermarkets. The supermarkets stopped buying from Covent Garden in the 90s. Oh. So they now deal directly with overseas production and some in the UK, of course. But the majority of Covent Garden trading is with hospitality. And that is really exciting. I didn't realize that. Yeah, okay. it's, it's very interesting because you assume that they're selling to the retailers. They are not. What happens is the celebrity chefs buy all the best quality from Covent Garden still. And the best mm -hmm. hotels and the best restaurants in London still yeah. buy from Covent Garden. This is a great accolade for Covent Garden because it means quality, mm. not price. 
although we're all price conscious these days, what can be better and more rewarding for the soul than growing? Yes. And so would the concept be to have singleton gardens act as the the um, food producing garden for Torbay hospitality businesses? This is what we're hoping. We have to start small, Callum, because obviously these are small steps, but we feel even if you sell one apple grown on a garden to one person that it'll make a difference and it will taste different sure it will look different and, and it will a, be a different price yeah it'll be it'll be a story for the guests coming into the hospitality um businesses to say actually i ate some food that was grown in a garden that i went to i visited that garden i had a look around it i think it's a very compelling uh, point i mean the point about visiting anywhere is the uniqueness of that area We've all heard about the Garden of England, you know, in Kent, and we've all heard about how these orchards are no longer viable. Singleton Gardens was an orchard. It actually is now on the DEFRA magic maps as an orchard. What it's being recognised with people is the, the potential. And I think potential for growing is much more compelling than for destroying because mm. actually Greenfield is a finite resource. It is. The most unique thing about the hospitality sector here is it was a destination. So Singleton Gardens was actually very well known. And our own lovely Sally Allen shopped uh-huh. there as a child, which is amazing. Hi, Sally. Hi, Sally. We <laughs> love you. There's the shout out. Hey. <laughs> but I think for, for everyone involved, it's very important for the whole community that they recognize what they have. It's really a heritage asset. And an heritage asset is needing protection. It gets listing. Sometimes historic England are a little bit behind the curve. Sometimes the public are ahead of governments and large institutions. We love our local authority. We love Torbay Council and we love the councillors. What we sometimes struggle with as individuals is why large organisations are slower than the public. But the public are very dynamic and they know what is good and what works. Well, I think the, the council have to follow the views of the public if they are to be operating correctly. So I think the public has to, has to take that first step for the council then to say, okay, this is what our constituents want. This is what the people absolutely, want. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think councillors join this organisation with altruism, with vision and with hope. And we th- are hopeful. Yeah. We are hopeful that with the planning application for the destruction and as the alternative vision, which is save Singleton Gardens, they will see that this is a rewarding process. Now, the person I've mentioned earlier is Sir Tim Smith. He has already indicated that back in the time when market gardens were littered throughout England, which they are not, is the fact that every month you had to eat. If you didn't eat in the Victorian period, you died. So what you can do is you can have a monthly program of food production. Now, that is genuine sustainability, but Mm. you will not get strawberries in December. You will get seasonal. Now, this is an old but new concept. Yes. And I think people have forgotten the fact that each season brings its own reward. Nature rewards. That's why people visit Devon. And that's why the hospitality sector is here. But coming to, uh, to Torquay in November, December for a harvest, how fantastic would that be? Yeah, that would be really exciting. I agree with that. How can people get involved? How can they have their say? People can have their say, Lynn, by actually going on to 
the website of the Torbay Council and emailing planning at torbay.gov.uk. And of course, we have our own chief executive at the council who we have great respect for, anne-marie.bond at torbay.gov.uk. She is very approachable. She listens and you email her directly. And this will mean your voice will be heard. I believe that Anne-Marie has of our interests at heart. I can only believe she is a good person because so many people have said that I have met her on many occasions. I feel with getting your voice over, though, there is now a time, a call for action, mm. which is Tuesday after the bank holiday, okay. the 29th at two o'clock in the Angela Burdett room at the Riviera Centre. Oh, this is exciting, guys. Can the public go to that? The public are welcomed. There will be a queue because we want to see the process being assessed from every angle. And this is the exciting part because obviously there's another side to this story, which is a planning application and blocks of flats. We welcome blocks of flats of luxury apartments if it's in the right Brownfield site. And this is key to Singleton Gardens because Brownfield is all over the town. The town needs luxury apartments. How exciting to look out of that marina, to walk where the Debenham store was and have your own glass and stainless steel balcony. How exciting would that be? But Singleton Gardens is a discovery, guys, and you need to have a heritage trail where you come from Tor Abbey, you walk through the marina, you go past the museum, and then you walk up to Meadfoot and at Meadfoot Sea Road, you have so many heritage buildings. And the hospitality trade in Meadfoot Sea Road is actually needing help itself mm. because you have five hotels in that street, really nice places, and actually... We need them to thrive. Yes. It would be great to have some tourists like actually come up from the Meadfoot Cafe up the hill or have people come over from Lincoln Hall or somewhere else. Or I think that's there. right, Lynn. Yeah. I think what you're saying is that people can see a journey. And I think once you have that mechanism, once you have really a trail, and the Civic Society have been brilliant at this, they have... Um, the vision, as, as we now do ourselves, of linking the whole town together and saying to people, look at what this town did do in the past, but it's what the town can do now and in the future. And we have an amazing ambassador with somebody called Simon Lysett. Now, Simon Lysett is a really important florist, and he's somebody that has worked for the royal family of this country and celebrity. And Simon is also one of our ambassadors so the wow. people we're working with Lynn are mm. unique they are creative people and they are exalted and venerated in their professions I genuinely think Lynn that this is a turning point for talking I agree and your the passion really comes through thank yes. you Callum yeah, well. <laughs> thank you Connor <laughs> oh, and Connor as well we don't forget Connor because he's Charlie. here with spirits gone yeah maybe he's just checked out somewhere he's run off for that fruit and veg so anyway but thank you very much David you're for explaining welcome. that and thank you for inviting me it's oh. been a genuine pleasure oh, you're welcome you're welcome 
Right. That was really interesting, wasn't it? Then? So interesting. And so passionate about a worthy cause. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, turning to restaurant news, we want to say congratulations to Rahan Udin, owner of Indiang on Belgrave Road. He's the MD of the Asian Restaurant Owners Network. He's got a big feature in this week's Torbay Weekly as leading a new initiative. It's the Torbay Revolutionary Owners Network, also known as Tron. Tron, that's great. I know. <laughs> it's, right now, it's a closed Facebook group of business owners, but they're looking to make a real positive change in terms of decreasing open drug use, increasing footfall off season, and to have better support for businesses looking to grow. So congratulations to Rahan on your feature, and we would love to join you in your network. We'll send you a DM. <laughs> and restaurateur Mitch Tonks is expanding the rockfish chain. So they're looking at a place on Sidmouth Seafront. So congratulations to their team and their Congrats continued there. expansion. Brilliant, hey? Yeah. Have you ever been to Ockham Farm? I have. I've been to the Ockham Beer Festival three years in a row. <laughs> I'm not sure that counts. <laughs> <laughs> not. I guess so. I've been there. I turned up. <laughs> Every Every Friday from 5.30, they are serving up a supper of farm-made specials, including puddings. You book, so it's, we well, could go have there for tea. Oh, nice. I know. Book online at occam.co.uk. I think I have gone, I think I have gone with a family once um, for food, actually. I've been for breakfast. Uh, we, w- we went for a lunch. It was really nice. I think halfway through the lunch, we, um... I think we went to go pet the animals and then yeah. came back and the food was ready. It was lovely. Yeah, really nice. Yeah, I love Alcum Farm. So now, they, now they're doing um, evening meals on a Friday, which is fun. Nice. And just announced today, we've seen that the Bay is launching a daytime pizza menu. And they've got some really interesting recipes like spicy beef with chorizo Ooh. and sizzling prawn and a goat cheese pizza. Oh, nice. I love a bit of goat. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I belong at Ockham Farm. <laughs> I'm just going to clip that part. I love a bit of goat. <laughs> and turning to supplier news, we were delighted to have Rob Holmes from Allsop and Pitt stop by to dish up the inside scoop on everything hospitality. Let's have a listen to that now. All right, brilliant. Thanks for that, Cal. So today we are joined by Rob Holmes, who's a sales manager at Allsop and Pitts, and he's here to give us some behind the scenes gossip about the Torpay hospitality <laughs> sector. Hey, Rob. Hi, how you doing? All right. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm doing really good. Thank you so much for joining us. Do you have any shout outs today? We always do a shout out. <laughs> oh, put me on the spot a little bit now. Uh, <laughs> not really, to be perfectly honest. I'd just like to say thank you to all our amazing customers in Torbay. Uh, nice. Thank you for supporting you know, us as a local business. And um, re- we try and reciprocate the same. So mm-hmm. just thanks to every local customer for supporting us. All right. Brilliant. Isn't that good? So yeah. And thank, and shout out to Sam at the dock who brought us together and made this fortuitous meeting happen. He did. Yeah. Yeah. So, thanks, Sam. That's one of those one of those <laughs> beautiful customers, I guess. Yeah, exactly, yes. exactly. He is a beautiful customer. So yeah, um, so we we said that we were going to dish the dirt a little bit and have a little bit of a gossip, spill the tea, as the kids say nowadays. <laughs> so there's so much going on, I think, in the Torbay hospitality sector, and you're really well positioned to uh, tell us more about it. So tell us a little bit about Allsop and Pitts and why you might have a, some inside knowledge. <laughs> uh, so Allsop and Pitts have been, you know, going for over 70 years now in business. Um, we supply 
chain through you know local customers um, right through up to London, Scotland. We've done jobs abroad in Cairo, Egypt, things like that. Um, but the most important thing for us is you know our local customers that are right on our doorstep, um, and there's so so many great customers here um, that we want to try and help. But to be perfectly honest with you, we've just seen a massive shift recently in what customers are doing i think uh you know customers expectations and things like that mm. so from that point of view you know we there's, there's just always something going on something new someone's yes. doing something new or planning something new so it's always very exciting yeah what are you seeing are some of the kind of trends so just to so for people who don't know Allsop and pitch do you deal with mostly kitchens or is it more than that so we're literally a turnkey kind of company so we will deal with everything from design that's like CAD design specification um, literally installing the equipment servicing and maintaining it um, everything from start to finish so we are literally a one-turn kind of solution to everything within that kitchen right so it is it is just the kitchen stuff that you guys are dealing with though it's kitchens but we do obviously deal with like M&E contractors uh, we do floorings walls uh, the ventilation so yeah everything from start to finish as far as a commercial kitchen yeah. uh, but we do also we're still open our showrooms open to um, obviously public customers as well so they can come oh. in browse purchase things um, it might get something slightly better quality than you would in retail yeah. sector market so yeah no What's the split between um, commercial clients and the public? It's probably, it's 98% B2B. Okay. Um, we were in Torwood Street yeah. many years ago, moved up to where we are now on Barton Road about 15 years ago. And what we found is from that and not having a visible shop front, kind of our retail footfall fell mm. quite a lot. Sure. Yeah. Um, but what it meant to us as from a business was that we could focus more on our B2B yeah. and supply larger customers which was a little bit of an issue there because the building wasn't a great layout for us. Right, right. But now that you're on Barton Road. So, yeah, if you've not driven past, um, so it kind of in between Heel Cross and I call it, yeah, the <laughs> Demolition Derby, the, uh, the one at Old Woods Hill. <laughs> the roundabout of doom. Yeah. <laughs> Whose go is it? <laughs> Whose go is it? Oh, yeah. anybody. Everybody shouts out, me. <laughs> yeah. um, there's actually been like upturned cars on it anyway. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of behind the Asda. I would say, kind of behind the being like up, yeah, up, top of uh, the Woodland of the... Industrial Estate, I guess you would say. That's what it's um, called. Yeah, yeah, right opposite the old entrance to Audley Park School. Oh, okay, yeah, which I is know. now Torquay Community College. Okay, yeah. nice. Yeah. Okay, super. So yeah, so you've you deal a lot, I guess, with uh, kitchens and hotels. Uh, not kitchen sorry restaurants and hoteliers that yes. are making changes mm -hmm. so what kind of like trends are you seeing is there like a trend towards one particular thing like because i know that we talk a lot about pizza pizza's having a bit of renaissance isn't it Do you know what it's one of the biggest shifts and um, uh, that i've seen in years everybody seems to be wanting to offer pizza pasta and that again i think is from a business owner's point of view they're identifying the customer's needs and saying do you know what actually people maybe haven't got as much money in their pocket they're looking for something a fast in and out solution as a business owner what can we offer them but equally still you know make good gp on pizza and pasta's got to be a go-to hasn't that I mean, yes I, I struggle to find anybody who doesn't like pizza and pasta a beer or a glass of wine in the sun so, but that seems to be the biggest thing recently is pizza, pasta. Everybody wants a pizza oven. Everybody wants to be doing pizzas. 
Um, and I think to be perfectly honest with you, pizzas have come a long way. Mm. And I think now that everybody uses the word artisan and things like that, yeah. you know, it's just, it's quite a nice thing, isn't it? It's kind of got that Mediterranean feel. You'd have a pizza, a bit of salad with it or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's quite a nice thing. But yeah, I think the main shift and reason for that is again, identifying the customer's needs of what they can do to generate as much GP as they can, but still to offer a cost-effective solution for their customers as well. So are you seeing people come in um, just to bring in like a pizza oven, just the facilities for pizza? Or is it when they're redoing things anyway? No, no, we see people all the time like um, just coming in saying, look, we need to be offering pizzas. Uh, We need to be, if we're going to do it, we need to do it on a bigger scale. So we need like an actual dedicated pizza oven, whether that be a single deck, twin deck, whatever it might be. Um, Just because I think... I think the thing is with this industry as well, as soon as somebody sees one thing's working, everybody kind of goes, oh, I'll do that. Yeah. I can mm. do that, but I can do it better. Yeah. And I think you get a bit of that. But to be honest, yeah, pizza, people are just buying pizza ovens, like just putting them into their business to, to try and make that. Make is, that, that. is there anything else you can make with a pizza oven except pizza? <laughs> no, no, you can put all sorts in pizza ovens. You just got to bear in mind they're really, really hot. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Ridiculously hot. So, I mean, you can put thing, other things in there and cook. I mean, you could put... I don't know, in a cast dish, you could put a lasagna in there. Okay, so like sure. that to brown off very quickly yeah. um, and things like that. So you can do it. It's yeah. just, uh, if you take your eye off it, it's probably going to come out very burnt, okay. <laughs> very cremated. <laughs> oh, that's good though. Yeah, I think the pizzas are something that we're seeing. And I keep saying that spritz is a trend and I still do see it. The limoncello, elderflower, Aperol spritz, obviously from, you know, the Mediterranean. But are there any, so... When you talk about like food trends, obviously pizza is a food trend. Are you seeing any other food trends or like tacos really big or something like that? What else, you, what else are people getting into? Do you know what? I think steak's making a comeback. Okay. Uh, I think steak's going to be one to keep an eye on. I think that more and more people are coming in and starting to speak to me now about saying, you know, nobody offers really a, you know, really good quality steak. Mm. And I think it's one of those long forgotten things. And, mm. you know, I still think there's a really big market for, you know, a really good steak restaurant. I know everybody offers a steak and I'm not saying there's not some fantastic ones in the Bay, mm. but I think as an actual concept, you know, it would do quite well from having a dedicated steakhouse or something like that. That's interesting because then you've got kind of like the two sides of the spectrum where you've got the pizza serving the the low cost food option yeah. and you've got the steak the complete other side. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. But then you've got to also look at, again, as identifying your customers, you've got to look where we are. We're, we're you know, although we are in a, you know, weather dependent, very seasonal area, we've also got overlooking now the beautiful marina yeah with lots and lots of really expensive boats in there yeah and you know with the best wood in the world i'm not sure they do like a bit of pizza but equally they're probably you know like a good steak yeah yeah so i think it's having that something for everyone sure um and i just think that you know there's a little bit of a bit of a niche there where you know a steak steakhouse but done a little bit differently might work so things like offering different cuts of steak yeah. to what you what you'd normally go and find in a restaurant um, so yeah, I think that might work quite nicely. Have you ever had the dream of starting up a restaurant or something like that? I can I can see the sparkle I, in your yeah. eye once you're talking about these steaks. I, I think to be perfectly honest with you, I just like food, okay. so, <laughs> so, so you'll always get that. But to be to be honest, um, yeah, I think everybody who works in this industry has probably thought at some point, oh, you know, I'd like to start a business. I'd take the best bits of theirs, the best bits of theirs, and maybe put it together. But the reality of it is, is leave it to the experts. Yeah. Stay in your lane, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, yeah. I like that. So yeah, I mean, what's the 
so I know that Harbor 16 is doing the steak, right? They do steaks yes. just locally. Yeah. And um, the dock is doing the steaks, mm-hmm. but I can't think of any other restaurants. Wasn't there a restaurant called Caprio's in Paynton, right on that kind of high street by the railway station? There but was. they went out of business, mm-hmm. didn't Very they? Quickly. So was it just, was it was a problem with the offer or was it yeah, no, something I, else? You think? To be perfectly honest with you, He's, he's a lovely guy. He's, he's a really, really good businessman. Uh, but I think, you know, he had a he had a dream and a vision. And hats off to him for going for it. But it, it just didn't pay off. I think it wasn't anything to do with his offering. Um, it was mainly to do with location. Unfortunately, right. in Paynton, there's parking's an issue. Mm. Uh, obviously, traffic, when they changed the road layout, was quite a big issue. Yes, which impacted Torbay that. Road. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, to be perfectly honest with you, unless you've got the infrastructure, i.e., you know, Torquay's got some fantastic bars and things, so you go for a drink first, have something to eat, then maybe go for a drink afterwards. Paynton tends to be lacking that. Yes. So you kind of think, well, am I going to drive just to go and have a steak and get back in the car and go home. Whereas you might want to make an evening of it. Yeah. And I think that's probably what let let it down really more than anything. That's a, yeah, that is a real shame. Cause yeah, I do drive past that Mm. and I wonder, cause it seemed like it was there and then it wasn't there anymore. So it was like quite quick. The turnaround. Yeah, it was, it was really quick. It was in a matter of, I think months. Oh no. Oh, that's gutting. Yeah. Cause I would have loved to have tried that. There are a lot of seafood restaurants around now. So do you see any like trends, like in terms of seafood? I'm seeing a lot of lobsters. Yeah. I think lobster again is one of those things that's made a uh, great comeback as yes. well, to be perfectly honest with you. I think Did yeah. we decided that lobster has a good brand. <laughs> it does have a good brand. <laughs> Luxury. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And that, yeah. that's what it is. You know, people don't order it. I'm sure there's people that love it, absolutely yeah. love lobster. Yeah. Me, I think crab's probably nicer, nicer yeah. taste, nicer texture. But equally, I think it's one of those things that you order as a status thing. Yeah, I mean, more, even more, more to be seen. Yeah, I think even for the restaurant, even if their customers don't order the lobster, mm-hmm. to have lobster on the menu kind of elevates you a little bit. It, it does. And to be perfectly honest with you, if, you, um, if you're, you know, smoozing clients or with people and things like that, and you see lobster on a menu, one, you know, whoever you're with is going to think, well, this is a nice restaurant. You know? Yeah. But equally, there's going to be that one person probably that's going to go, do you know what? Yeah. It's a special occasion. I'm going to have that. So again, it bumps the average spend up. Yeah. You know, so yeah. all these things help. Do you need yeah. special uh, specialist equipment to cook seafood? <laughs> a big <or> pot. <laughs> so, no, not to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, seafood's not cooked in any real different way. It's yeah. just a lot more delicate. So the okay. flavors that you put with it, uh, how you cook it, the temperature, the length of time, things like that vary. Um, but apart from that, you don't need any specialist equipment really to have a good good fish restaurant at all. Okay. You know, it's just very, very basic. I think the whole thing of uh, KISS... You know, keep it simple, keep stupid. It simple. That's how you know. Mitch Tonks made a million pounds. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's exactly yeah. it. I mean, it, you just don't need to overcomplicate things. Yeah, to be honest. So, is that the kind of like if someone comes in um, looking to do some renovations or looking to do some some work in the kitchen, is that the philosophy that you guys would take? Is the simplest solution, or is it the absolute best solution, or does it depend on the, the client? I mean, it totally depends on the client, and uh, things are things are client led, but at the same time you kind of get used to knowing who you're dealing with, um, what kind of customers' expectations are, uh, what their budgets and restraints might be. But equally, you've got to think that you've got to work within the constraints of the building. What will the building allow? What equipment can we get in here? How can we optimize your output and your business model 
in this given area. Mm. And that's, that, interesting, yeah. that, that's the most important bit because with the best will in the world, anybody could come in, you know, to, to all sorts of hits and say, I want to do this. And you could design in the best kitchen. doesn't mean that that best kitchen if on, for them on paper is going to necessarily fit into their building. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's, it's trying to find this. There's so many things. I mean, like with ventilation and things like that, if you've got a domestic dwelling above the building, you've got to have odor on it, noise control. Mm. If the council will let you do it at all, if not, you've then got to look at self-ventilating systems with mm. carbon filters and things like that. So yeah, there's there's a lot of things depending on the location of the building. Okay, so you're literally going with them on the business strategy. It's not just a kitchen. Mm. It's you're taking a much wider overlook. Oh, 100 percent. You've oh, got yeah. to. You've, you you know you can't just say, well, you know, there, there's your kitchen. We've yeah, designed it. It's on page. paper. The best you know, thing. you've got to get really involved, drill down, and I always try to use the kind of thing that I'm almost a doctor so the more questions you ask the closer you'll get to the solution sure um so the more information you can extract from that customer or that client you know the better understanding you'll have of their business and be able to specify it and point them in the right direction for longevity more than anything because nobody wants to be putting a kitchen in there and ripping it out in three years time because it doesn't work yeah Yeah, gosh yes so so do you find that so do you really dive deep into like how many covers they're expecting and how many turnovers they expect during a night and like what their profit expectations are and things like that. Like, is it like a business strategy? So so you work on, um, you work on how many covers you've got to cater for to make Mm -hmm. sure that they've got, you know, silly things like enough refrigerated or frozen storage. Um, the equipment that you specify and is going to be able to cope for long periods of time to serve and get those meals out. Mm. Um, same as dishwasher areas, you know, depending on the size of the business, how many, plates you're doing or covers you're doing or depend on the size of the dishwasher you need so these things are all all dependent on your customers requirements really so you do need to know their the ins and outs really of their business model and their vision of where they see themselves going yeah you know because like i say it's not a it's not a small outlay of money to do a kitchen no. at all you know so you want to make sure you get it right you know so by asking all these questions you can you can usually nine times out of ten nail it first time that's what you're looking for right first time because mm-hmm. yeah to rip something out and then redo it and things it's just not going to happen it yeah. has to be right first time doesn't it yeah. so what kind of um are you working on any refurbishments right now any little bit of uh yeah i want to get the goss yeah where's the tea <laughs> come on rob you promised Ta- rob by I, the way is having iced coffee I, <laughs> literally yes, no tea I am. thank you but um no i mean to be perfectly honest with you everybody um has a lot of businesses have changed hands, uh, yes. you know, over the last let's kind of talk, like let's talk. Who's months. changed hands? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you know, there's a lot of people who've done refurbishment work. Are there things they're going to tweak over the winter? Without mm-hmm. a shadow of a doubt, people will be after the summer and they've got you know a little bit of money in the bank. They'll maybe sit back and say, right, how could we change that? How could we make that a bit of a smoother operational transition? Um, and I think that people will then start a little bit of refurbishment work. Um, I mean, there's some customers that we obviously deal with, which I can't say any names, but they're constantly developing things. Great. Um, are, you, are you allowed to say... What who? they're developing? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was going to say, are you allowed to say um, your, uh, your estimate, your guess for mm-hmm. the top five restaurants in 2024 summer oh that's an interesting one mm-hmm. mm. i i could give you what mine yeah, yeah, yeah would personally be. yeah maybe give us the out of the in no particular order mm-hmm. and out of the top 10 just five in those top 10 yeah well okay so the my five would be and it's probably going to be 
always up there because he's always developing stuff, changing the menu, tweaking little bits. But Ollie's for me is fantastic. Mm. I absolutely love Ollie's. I think, you know, second to that would be the dock. I think the dock's got a great location. Yeah. Um, gets the sun in the evenings. Yeah. Um, but to be perfectly honest with you, again, you know, since Sam's taken it over, he's, he's just been tweaking things and perfecting things. And I think that'll be, that'll be definitely one of the places yeah, to go. I really like his mindset on it. I, yeah, I really, 100%. Really like he, it. he, he's totally in his business. You know, yeah. he's, he's, everything's in his head and you can see him tweaking things and changing things. And, you know, I think that'll definitely be one to watch. Uh, to be honest, also in that list, You've, I know it's a bit of a bit of a funny one, a bit controversial maybe, but I think Otto. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, yeah. yeah, I think Otto is a great location, and I yeah. think again they're going to have some development work maybe there. Yeah, um, I, I think their offering might change a little bit. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think it's you know great location. Yeah. You know, when you've eaten, then you've eaten there, Otto. You really like the food, right? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, we went for brunch, and I've had a pizza there. But I have heard that Shoreline's pizzas are really good too. Some I, somebody I know went to Shoreline Beth Kurzweil's here in the background, <laughs> going, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, amazing pizzas." So yeah, I really liked Otto, and I really like the vibe there. It's like really vibey. Yeah, I love like the um, interiors and like the staff and the wait staff and everything. Everybody's just so nice. Nice. We sat in the octagon to have the pizzas. It was really yeah. good. No, it is a great location. It's an absolutely fantastic location. Mm. I think one on my list as well for like brunch and breakfast is me and Mrs. Jones. Oh, of course. Oh, where's, where's yeah, that? the deli in yeah. Wellswood. Okay. Yeah, it's fantastic. JJ, shout absolutely out JJ. love that place. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've never, I've never even heard of it. Really? No. Oh, it's a deli. It's, yeah. Uh, well, I'll have to take you there for lunch. It's I'm very, very European. Like, okay. yeah, in the way that it's done, it's fantastic. Interesting. Really yeah, like a big deli case, but they've got these beautiful salads and these quiches and stuff. Oh, it's absolutely lush. Yeah. So is that like, when you say deli, that's like a sandwich place, right? No. <laughs> it's so much more. It's so much more. Okay. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Deli, How would I'm you describe like it? Cold meats and stuff. Cold meats, cold cheeses. No. no. So, so, so they've got uh, they hot food offering. So you okay. like breakfast, you like kind of like, you know, poached eggs, avocado on eggs, those yeah. kind of things, you know, done to a really high standard. But equally, they've got like, it's almost like, well, it is, it's deli counter. Yeah. And then you've got like all your things like meats, cold slaws, breads, like all these one weird and wonderful things to look at. Mm. Um, But yeah, it's just, I think it's one of those places. It's a completely unique offering within the Bay. And I think it's just one of those places you need to go to and experience. What's the name again? Uh, it's called well I don't always call it Jones's Deli what do you call it me is it me, me and, and Mrs. Mrs. Jones, Jones yeah, Deli Mrs. Jones okay. yeah. it's on the list <laughs> yeah it's on the list absolutely have you gone to Frank's Lifestyle Cafe no but apparently I've heard nothing but good things apparently yeah. it's amazing it's really good yeah yeah really nice uh, I went there for breakfast and brunch there and a colleague of ours Esther also works there too hi Esther and um, they've got really nice um, like smoothie bowls like yogurt bowls and they do something called a croffle and it's a croissant in a waffle maker no. so they stuff the croissant with goodies like I had like a New York you know that um, New York style it's like pastrami yes. Swiss cheese gherkins all that sour spicy stuff mustard mm. and then crump, like crozzled <laughs> I don't know what do you call it I'm like making stuff with my hands here <laughs> um, waffled and so Ooh. they like waffle iron it to wow. melt the cheese and to make it all hot and so, oh. oh delicious <laughs> 
Oh, that, so good. that does sound really, really good. Yeah, Although yeah. I'm not so sure that I want to get some sweet things in there as well. Maybe a bit of Nutella. Yeah. Oh, with the pickles. <laughs> well, not with the pickles. <laughs> maybe take the pickles out, replace them with some strawberries and Nutella. Yeah, but, okay. But maybe, maybe not pickles and Nutella. Yeah, no. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I could, tried could, before. could be the latest trend, who knows? Stay tuned. You Stay tuned. 2024. <laughs> um, and over in Brixham, what do you think? We went to Shoals on Sunday. It was absolutely amazing. Like five-star dining experience. Unreal. Brixham, Brixham's an amazing area. It's, yeah. it's so, uh, there's nowhere, you know, we're so lucky where we are. There's so many unique places. You've got Brixham, Dartmouth, all, mm. all these fantastic places. Brixham is always been one of my go-to places to like just nip over, you know, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, drive around, you're there. Um, and it's like you've been transported to a completely different place. And yeah. I think some yeah. of the restaurants and that are fantastic there now. I think, you know, that they've, they've kind of evolved yeah. Um, mm. they've, they've, they've had to kind of shift gears and what they're doing a little bit more, but you're completely right. Shoals is amazing. Yeah. It really is. I d- yeah. What I didn't realize is that I think the owner of Shoals, which we've been t- desperately trying to get onto the podcast, I think they have an interest in the bricks and fish market. Like somebody in their family started the bricks and, you know, yeah, like related. Sean Perks? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, so that's, so it's like direct from the day, yeah. but there's a real big you know, fishing family, there. big yes. fishing family. Yeah, they are. But the food yeah. was unreal. So yeah, they sold day boat scallops with this like Parmesan crust. It was delicious. And some monkfish. Always get the monkfish. That's all that's just the best advice just ever. <laughs> just always get the monkfish. Just always get the monkfish. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere you go. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? Twenty twenty five years ago you couldn't give that away. I you know. used to literally give it to cats. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and now it's like everybody it's on the go to on everybody's menu. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. but it's one of my favourites, without yeah. a shadow of a doubt. It's delicious. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like I see it as like a poor man's lobster because the texture is quite firm. Yeah. But yeah, I absolutely love that. So yeah, any other trends or any other insights that you've got in terms of like menus or anything like that? Or should we... No, I think menus are one of those weird ones at the moment. I think people are changing their menus, uh, you know, adopting slightly different styles of what they're offering are. Um, but I think one of the big things is uh, what they call like a veto menu, isn't it? And just like you've got to try and have a few dishes on there that people recognize and feel comfortable with in order to get them to come and sit down. Uh, right. Problem is, if you were to rewrite a menu and it was, you know, all things that you, you weren't really sure of, ninety percent of the population would go, "Oh, well, no, I, I don't know any of those dishes, so I won't eat there." So it's trying to design your menu so you know there's something on there for everyone, but you've still got your kind of classic things on there that people recognise. Yeah. Yes. Okay. okay. That's, you, yeah, yeah, that's go on. That's interesting. So, so you're saying like someone would see burger and whatever else on the menu yeah and then they'd they'd sit down but they're not necessarily going to order the they're just more comfortable they're not but they're, yeah equally they're down. more comfortable because they're like well i know that there's something that i'll definitely have yes, yeah, so i can speak you know, for waiter and see from that brief glance of a menu it's yeah. like well okay well i'll sit down i know there's something i'll have but they yeah. might not necessarily order that yeah if that wasn't there would they just walk on to the next one that yeah makes sense. That well there was sense. something familiar to them what do you think what are yours what's your opinion on brunch Brunch. Yeah, I'm not. We're not asking you to brunch. <laughs> it's a very low budget podcast. <laughs> you can tell. The, the brunch here is um, a couple of sliced apples. But, yeah, <laughs> do you know what? I, I keep looking at them and I go brown and brown and thinking, well, I can't eat one now. <laughs> Sorry, I started so out technically. It's just if, a you, tease if, now. if you want to munch one, we'll edit it out. No worries. <laughs> no, but uh, do you know what brunch is a really weird one? It, I mean. 
bottomless brunch, completely yeah. all over that. Who who yeah. doesn't like? It's just an excuse to drink earlier, isn't yeah. it? You know, so who doesn't love that? But you know what? To be honest, a brunch is a really strange one for me because I'm a really kind of early person. So I've, okay. I'll get up, I'll have my breakfast, I'll do my normal routine, whatever that might be. But yeah, brunch kind of sits in a weird area for me. Mm. Is it an extra meal or is it? I mean, what is it? Second breakfast. <laughs> yeah. All hobbits welcome. Yeah. That's funny. So, yeah. I think, um, yeah, when you talk about, yeah, breakfast is having a moment. The, um, or sorry, not not breakfast, but brunch is having a moment. Burgers oh. seem to be getting more outrageous, don't they, with the toppings and yes. things. So that's quite good. A hundred percent. I mean, yeah. I mean, burgers are one of those things that it kind of, they really took off, didn't they? You mm. know, and it's one of those things, again, that I think everybody has to have a burger on their menu. You know, absolutely got to have a burger. You know, the cotton chips has got to be on there, hasn't yep. it? You know, where we are geographically yeah. um, as well. So, yeah. I agree. But, yeah, the brunch thing, you know, I think it's definitely having a moment. It Just for me personally, I'm not, I'm not you're not, yeah. sure. you're not a brunch no. man. No, no, it's not. not bottomless then. What's the point? Well, no, exactly. You know, I'll go, I'll go for that. <laughs> yeah. Does the brunch actually take away from people having both a breakfast and a lunch? And so are you cannibalizing your own menu or like, is, is brunch just an excuse to drink? So is it good for alcohol sale? It's just an interesting conversation, yeah. I guess. I, I, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, if you are having brunch, you're taken away from that person would have had lunch and then, but are you equally getting that sale where you wouldn't have got one? So yeah, mm. I suppose it's just another offering really isn't it I suppose more than anything but it does seem like it's become massively popular and a little bit trendy really I think it's easier to invite someone to brunch than it is to invite someone to breakfast or lunch it's easier to say let's go get brunch yeah brunch sounds more informal for some reason it sounds chilled yeah lunch now you know we're having a serious conversation yeah like a lunch meeting breakfast what are you doing don't invite me to breakfast (laughs) (laughs) I'll get my own breakfast thank you very much no one's coming to breakfast I'm good (laughs) That is funny. So can you tell us about any restaurant refurbs that are going on in Torbay? Any refurbishment updates? Anything that you're particularly proud of or that you wanted to call out? Uh, not really. I mean, to be perfectly honest, like I say, there's, there's always ongoing work. Always, yes. always. But there's just, there, there's going to be a lot of refurbishments, I think, during, you know, the kind of down the period. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. January, you know, when things are a lot quieter, I think yeah. people will do some uh, development work there. Um, oh, that's interesting. So, is the is the seasonality of all sop and pits is that kind of like switched? Is it it's summers? Opposite. Yeah, yeah, opposite. Yeah. Summers so, a little bit quieter. Winters the busy period. Our summers really reactive. So okay. our summers like um, if a piece of equipment goes down or mm. somebody's like whether it be a fridge or a fryer, they need it. So that's our yeah. reactive kind of replacing items of equipment. Yeah, uh, top up plates, cutlery because they're you know really busy full house all the time yeah things get lost go in the bin so more stressful it, 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 yeah you have Little to react bits. to it yeah, yeah okay. um but come kind of the winter periods yeah. that's when a lot of people do the big refurbishment work downtime they'll close the kitchen shut it maybe replace cook line dishwash areas whatever mm. it might be um so yeah for us like now is a really busy period of being reactive to things opposed to them being planned yeah okay so yeah that's interesting so both it's not really seasonality. It's more just um, one season is stressful and the other season is a little bit more planned. As, as stressful it's just equally for other reasons. Yeah. If you were, yeah, I, I was wondering how you knew about the iced coffee cups because I served, I served Rob his iced coffee in a mug. And he's kind of like, what's this? So, you know what? yeah. It's my first time having it in a mug and it's, it's great. Okay. Well, I, didn't know, 
I didn't know that you were so intimate with all of the plates and cutlery and like you knew understood all the requirements. I didn't know that all sub and pits furbished, you know, like provided all that. Yeah, yeah, we do absolutely everything. Like I say, our wow. showroom's absolutely full, like cutlery, crockery, uh, glassware, mm. everything. We can we can do everything from start to finish. Your kitchen, your restaurant, front of house. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, um, my dad actually introduces me as this is my son. He sells spoons. Oh, what? Yeah. I think you do a lot more than that. Sorry, dad. We need to do it with the want wah. I think oh, it's, a it's a D. It's a D. <laughs> Sorry, Rob. <laughs> That's a terrible way to be introduced. No, I think it's great. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be more than happy with that. Well, to be honest, I just play on it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I sell spoons. No, you're going to say what kind of spoon you're looking for. You know, we've got the best spoons. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, you lean into it. Yeah. yeah. Just like, just like oh, you know, and then people invite you around the house and you're just like, oh, that's not really spoon equipoise. What kind of spoon is this? <laughs> that's good. Um, in cocktails, I think, you know, if you're serving glassware, if you sell glassware, are you mm-hmm. seeing like a lot more kind of different cocktail glasses going out the door? Aren't there like daiquiri glasses, martini glasses, coupes and things like that? Yeah, and there's, there's so many, so many different glasses in the market. I mean, we've got, like I say, the showroom is full of glassware but I mean everybody's got a different idea of what they want to serve in mm. what so you've got obviously your espresso martinis going out and things like that then you've got your kind of pina coladas going out and your hurricane or squall glasses and things like that yeah. oh the hurricane glass yeah. yes if I've got a I call um, that a daiquiri glass but yeah it is oh, a hurricane yeah, glass yeah. yeah if if someone's got a much um, a really small kind of operation going on mm-hmm. and they they would usually just go to Ikea What's the Ooh. what's the benefit of going to you guys and coming into the showroom as opposed to going to Ikea? You get Rob. Well, yeah, you do. You get <laughs> yeah. all my spoon expertise. <laughs> but, Ikea doesn't have Rob. No, but on a serious note, I yeah. mean, there's a lot of difference between what we would specify to what you buy in Ikea. Ikea is obviously yeah. made for a domestic environment. Yeah. Uh, therefore, the life of the product's not going to last as long, whether that be the glaze or the plate. Sure. Uh, you know, the fact that it's not what they call super vitrified, which is basically a process it goes through to give the product that strength. Okay. Um, mm. So if you were to pick up an Ikea plate, bang it on the side, it'd probably break in half. Yeah. You pick up one of our plates to one of our manufacturers, bang it on the side and you know okay so you're you're replacing everything instead of going to ikea every year i'm coming to you guys once every five years once every 10 years to be perfectly honest for you i mean things are always going to get broken yeah it's you know crockery glassware things like that but it is a lot stronger product yeah um and it should last longer than an ikea product would where it does last longer than an ikea product um plus you've got to drive all the way there we can deliver it okay yeah yeah and also if someone wants to come in and um you know, maybe replace their, their crockery, but they just want to have a chat about kitchen kitchen stuff. Yeah. They're not necessarily looking to replace anything. Everything works kind of. Um, but they just they're curious about what the costing would be. Mm-hmm. They've really they've no, they've they've had the business for, you know, however long and they've just never even thought about um, changing things up. They can come and they can oh, sort out their co- crockery and their, their plates at the same time, get a bunch of information on Oh, them. completely. You can come in, just have a chat. You know, cool. we're, we're very informal. You know, you don't have to book an appointment or the guys in the showroom and within the business. You know, we don't have high staff turnover. We've been here a long time. So, yeah, just come in, have a chat, and we'll be able to, you know, guide you, point you in the right direction of things and, and go from there, really. There's no obligation. Yeah. You know? So come in and have a chat if you're looking to change something. Yeah. It's good. I think during the past few years, it must have been really challenging for you. And like, I imagine during COVID, you had a lot of 
people contacting you and going quick, I need to have this particular requirement because my restaurant has to meet some type of, um, you know, regulation or something like that. Did they come to you for that? Yeah. Everything changed during COVID and coming out of COVID. Um, I think when people reemerged and opened their businesses, we had a lot of people that had shut the businesses, shut the doors, Yes, hadn't necessarily been in there during the period reopened gone to turn a lot of things on and found out a lot of things don't work because obviously all these pieces of equipment a lot of them are designed to be in use all the time so we found that a lot of our reactive kind of one-off equipment sales went up equally as service work to breakdown calls maintenance calls that kind of thing went up Um, but the market changed really Um, I think that when we came out of lockdown people it, it was a lot faster paced. Nobody had been on holiday. You know, we had more tourism, more people uh, coming to seaside towns and things like that. So what we found is that we had to react to things a lot quicker, but equally customers' menus, you know, they, they reduced their menus um, and they kind of had to put things out a lot quicker. So they might have needed more fryers, more microwaves, whatever it might have been. So we found there was a little bit of a change in that mm, when okay. we came back. But it, yeah, it was, it was a bit of a strange one, really, COVID for us, because um, we still had projects going on in between. So we didn't really, as a business, have too much downtime, mm. oh, which was good. quite fortunate. But I think now there is like, um, now that we're out of that, and now there's like cost of, li- you know, the, the sec- everything's changing so rapidly, I'm finding. Like cost of living, but I think in particular for, for restaurateurs, it's, um, and hotel owners, I guess, energy costs. And so I think the kitchen is a big part, obviously, in a restaurant. The kitchen is your energy center, you know, for how you're using it. How are you How are you um, dealing with the demand for, like, more energy-efficient products? Or Yeah, so to be perfectly honest with you, it's been a big thing. I mean, it's not a new thing. It's been energy-efficient products have been coming in now for, you know, the last 10 or 15 years quite strong within the industry. Uh, the problem is it's trying to change people's mindset, um, not necessarily business owner, but a lot of people will go, oh, my chef, you know, he'll only use gas, loves their gas cooker. Problem is, is what you find is you go into a lot of commercial kitchens, a big hotel, things like that. You'll walk in there in the morning. Chef will have, bless him, every gas appliance turned on. The fryers will be going, the grill will be on, the salamander grill will be on, the ovens will be, six burner will be on, things like that. Might only have an order for like three eggs in the next hour. Um, so, you know, there's a massive wastage there. You know, essentially you're just heating that kitchen. Um, so yeah, with the use of now things like induction coming in, so induction cookers, you've probably seen them domestically and things like that, but induction cookers are absolutely fantastic. You don't get obviously a massive spike in heat in the kitchen. So again, it's a way of controlling the temperature. Don't have to comply to CO2 legislation, um, with extraction and ventilation, but also the biggest thing is that as soon as you place that pan on direct contact, Obviously, that pan, the contents in it starts getting hot, cooking, doing what it needs to do. As soon as you take that pan away, that zone's then turned off. So from a business point of view, why wouldn't you want that opposed to that gas hob being on all day and maybe 30% of the day it's not doing anything? Yeah. I didn't realize that that's how induction worked, that actually worked with like the metal of the pan to yeah, like it's make like a it turn magnetic on. Field. Yeah. yeah, that's wild. I didn't know that. I've heard induction. And what's the difference between induction and convection? This is a quiz for the spoon salesman. Because <laughs> I don't know the difference. So convection is just uh, basically, it's just forced air. Is it fan? Yeah. Oh, okay, so, so sorry. Got, so <laughs> convection oven, uh, which, which is a really good thing, which I'll come on to. Because, I mean, again, if you've got a really old six-burner range cooker there, you'll find that you'd have a gas static oven, which you could have, once you fill it up, 
you'd have 80, 80 degree temperature difference between the top shelf and the bottom shelf because heat rises. Right. With a fan assistant or convection oven, you find that you get a more consistent, even cook of your product. Don't have to move things around. But equally, it's more efficient because you're cooking it a lot quicker than you would be. Uh, I was going to say, do you see any air fry? So mini convection ovens within a commercial kitchen? You see like uh, mini convection ovens and things like that, like smaller convection units, uh, sure. depending on the size of the business and what, what they want to use it for, whether it be like a shop front or things like that. Um, or the little Merry Chef ovens, a bit like they use at Subway. Accelerator yeah. cooking's become really big, yeah. you know, to get sandwiches, paninis in and out really quickly, that kind of thing, jacket potatoes. Yeah. Um, so they've become really big but air fries and things aren't something yeah. that's really in the industry okay interesting um we've, we've got things they're not even really like it but we, we've got lots of things coming onto the market like um ivario centers which are made by one of the biggest manufacturers of combi ovens um and that's made to replace things like fryers uh brat pans it's, it's basically like almost like a three or four in one like a swiss army knife okay. of equipment uh, but again, massively energy efficient mm. um, and a great bit of care. It's just, again, trying to get not necessarily business owners, but actually people within working in the operations of your chefs to switch. Sure. Mm. And once they've seen a demo and things like that, which we do have at the showroom, we can do demos and arrange demonstrations for people and all this equipment, is once they've seen it, they get it. Yeah. But I think it's one of those things that you're so used to doing what you do day to day that like anyone, you take the you know, root of less resistance. Yeah. Know. Yeah. You know? So if you had to say somebody's considering like a refurbishment of their hotel kitchen or their restaurant kitchen, and they're thinking, right, we're going to have this season wind down. We'll get to half term in October. And then we'll start to have a look about get, take a couple of weeks off, obviously look at our budgets and so on. And so in January, we're going to go over to all sop and pits. So who should be on that visit to you? The, the owner but should the chef come along too yeah 100 percent. i mean to be perfectly honest with you i think that if you are a business owner ultimately it is your money but i think it's massively important for your you know your staff and your chef especially to be comfortable with what he's using and you know at the end of the day he's the one that's going to work in there so yeah. i think to have his input would only benefit your business really yes yeah. yeah it would be really good i think for like just internal communications team building and so on to have like a little away day at all sop and pits yeah definitely come definitely. over for a little demo yeah, are you the, do you do any classes or anything or um no we don't we don't do like, any classes or okay. anything like that um we do do uh demonstrations but we've, we've actually got one going on up there today really um, so yeah. demonstrate it's like a free class yeah. <laughs> yeah so no we've got one going on up there today a demonstration on a uh, combination oven things for a customer in exeter and yeah i mean it's just it's just there's always something going on there's yeah. always somebody wants to see something see how it can change their business things and demos are a great way of doing that you know it's one of those things that kind of disappeared like during covid for obvious reasons but now i think more and more people again want to see bits of equipment and see people and deal with people again yeah definitely. Nice. on a different note um I'm, I'm curious about the coffee machines that you guys supply Ooh. Oh, okay. You, um, are you a bit of a coffee connoisseur, are you? Or I like coffee, for yeah? sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, like, do you, how much variation of coffee machines do you guys have in stock? <sighs> to be perfectly honest with you, we, we don't stock a huge amount of coffee machines. The reason for that is there's just everybody's business is different yeah um again to how much volume you've got so you'd have a completely different machine if you were doing you know if you're a smaller operator to a large-scale hotel with 160 beds sure um and again i think that there's been a massive shift in going away from artisan coffee so mm -hmm. your normal kind of like 
machines where you'd have like your barista there making them and i think some of the bean to cup machines now are really good okay. you get a really good consistent cup of coffee if they're set up right but equally it's great because you can have that one person there. they can press a button turn around they can be doing something else yeah, yeah. so it, again it's it's having it's finding that balance i think yeah sure you know, yeah what if works the for your operation don't you think i think sometimes the barista like yeah it's it's a show um, you know, it's the the putting the uh, grinds into the mm-hmm. little cup and then whoosh, 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 with the steam and everything. It is a bit of a performance, I yeah. think. But I know it sounds really strange, but although everybody's trained to be a barista, if you had a cup of coffee at Costa, for instance, and you went to three different Costas within Torquay and ordered the same coffee, it wouldn't taste the same. Right. No. I mean, and, and, and that's the thing. There's, there's with barista made coffee. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with them. They no, taste no, great, no, no, but no, that's it's that consistency as well. Yeah. Always getting the same product at the end of it, like a franchise type thing. Yeah. If you go to a McDonald's, you're always going to get the same one because nobody's going. No, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. One of the things that Costa does to make their product a little bit more consistent is actually they um, they roast their beans to mm-hmm. a higher temperature than. If you, if you went into yeah, if you went into like a, a small coffee shop, and the reason for that is um, the comparison is like if you have a piece of white toast and brown toast, you're going to taste the difference really obviously. Mm-hmm. If you have a burnt piece of white toast and a burnt piece of brown toast, it's going to taste like burnt toast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's very true. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. I know, but I don't want burnt coffee though. No, I no, but not. yeah, 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 um, yeah, interesting. Nice. No, that is an interesting point. Actually, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, that's but, that's one of the tactics that, that they use to keep the things more consistent. It's basically, okay. just over, not over roasting because they'll say it's perfectly roasted. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, but compared to the, if you go into like a artisan cafe, mm. yes, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's much higher roasted. I know. Roasted Speaking longer. Artisan cafes. I we just started to follow the Harry Barista. I've heard so much about. I'm probably saying it wrong. Harry Barista, like hair. Oh, Harry. Harry. Harry Barista is in Totnes. Okay. We just started to follow them, and it's supposed to be awesome. Awesome coffee, and then all different kinds of, like, um, adaptogens. Okay. You can get, like, mushroom coffee and things like that. Yeah, my friend Louise was going there, and she said she had a mushroom coffee. She felt amazing. <laughs> I bet you did. What, what, <laughs> mushroom coffee from Totnes. Yeah, Ooh. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Are you seeing any kind of thing like that in terms of like, yeah, like new uh, new drinks or new food or anything like I'm that? I'm not sure how up? long it'll be till those coffees get banned, but I'm definitely <laughs> going to go and try one. Uh, right. We don't have yeah. any mushroom coffee here. Maybe next time, Rob. <laughs> but no, to be perfectly honest with you, I mean, yeah, there's, there's always things changing and evolving, but there's, mm. there's nothing massive, I would say, on the coffee front at the moment no. that's like shifting. Uh, I mean, people are just pretty much you know with their offering of cappuccinos lattes espressos flat yeah. whites things like that what about iced iced i think is having a iced coffee yes yeah, definitely making a comeback yeah 100 percent. i'm a massive fan of iced coffee as you probably guessed <laughs> but yeah no iced coffee is definitely making a comeback and i think you know it, it's just an amazing drink in the summer isn't it? it is you know? it is i know i want to have like i want to start selling iced coffee down here on the ferry like in the ferry queue yeah that's yeah that's me a and good callum idea. we're gonna get a side hustle we're gonna start selling iced coffees <laughs> down there it's the Treat Towers, also a cafe. So also can, a cafe. So you can find us on the Instagram maps. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. Right. So yeah, I think that we've covered off just about all of our questions. We didn't get any gossip, you know. I've I've mm. did reach out to Matt um Bettysworth last week yep. to see if we could get some more information about the who bought the boathouse. Do you have any We know you know. Come uh, on, we know you know what? I, I don't know any more than you. Or I've heard that it's somebody uh, from London. I've yeah. heard that. Yeah, so um, I think they originally lived down here or were from around here. I've heard that. Um, and I don't know the exact figure it went for. Um, I, I've got a ballpark, I think. Oh, yeah, all, tell us that. Uh, uh, yeah. I think you're probably looking at it. Didn't go for full market value, but I think it was about 600000 Okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know what the plans are with that. It's literally the Bay's best kept secret, Lissus, because yeah. it's an amazing location, a great building, and you know, really just want to want to get know, it open. Nobody and knows. See what happens. I know. Well, maybe we'll have maybe we'll have an update for you. But if not, Matt, call us back. <laughs> <laughs> I did talk to him last week, so maybe we'll be able to break the news. I said we want to break it on the podcast. He was like laughing at me, not with me. <laughs> like, I think they want to break it on their socials. <laughs> I tried. I think you're going to get in there first with a breaking news update. Oh, I know. Did yeah, you, we've got to break in for that. I know. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. But yeah, I think there was a problem there with the building or something where the sale had gone through, but then it had to, didn't go through and then yeah, it was redone. Yeah, it's, it's probably Bit of a funny something one. to do with uh, surveys sea and things like that. Uh, yeah, sea walls. The sea and there's, yeah, there's always going to be things like oh, that the with sea that building. Wall. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. Isn't your dad involved in the seawall? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Alan's building it himself. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually my dad is, who's taken it. Yeah. <laughs> He lived in London for a while, so. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if Callum in the boathouse? That eventually? would be great. That yeah. would be awesome. So, yeah, and did you see the Kent's Caverns was sold? Yes. Yeah, yes. recently. Yeah. So that's quite interesting. Yeah, isn't that's it? the Tudor, Tudor collection part of that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so I think they've got the. Um, the Red Cliff, don't they? Yeah, Why did and, I say that so Yeah, fast? no, yeah. there's that one and the Old Prison in Bodmin, I believe. Yeah, the, the Bodmin Jail. Bodmin Jail, yeah. Bodmin yes. Jail Hotel as well. So, that, yeah, they're an interesting group. But, again, a great bar. I mean, Kent's Cavern is an amazing, amazing yeah. thing. Piece of history. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, to be, you know, to have that and be in charge of that piece of history and maintaining it, I mean, mm. it's an honour, really. Did you see the plans for the Redcliffe Hotel? Yes, they look amazing. Yeah, it yeah. looks really interesting. It does. I think they just had something on their socials. I want to say yesterday, but I didn't flick through it. But it was maybe like a CGI mm-hmm. of what it, what it's going to look like. So, yeah, yeah. that'll be I'm, good. There's some absolutely great locations now popping up, isn't there, in the yeah. bay, like um, hotel-wise. We're really sport for choice. Obviously, we've got the new Mercure, the Ibis over in Paynton, the Corbin Head's being developed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's all, do, all on the up. Do you help out with it? Um, I mean, do you uh, have any clients who are beach cafes? Beach cafes. Yeah, beach cafes. Yeah, we do beach cafes. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because yeah, oh, yeah. we, we see the beach cafe offering just explode, like mm-hmm. really, really full force ahead really interesting concepts a hundred percent i mean the beach cafes are one of those things that i think over the last couple of years i mean obviously whatcom beach is opened again i'd love to get you know some like kind of food or drink offering again on whatcom beach because i think you know it's it's an amazing little it's it's a beautiful location um but yeah beach cafes are one of those things that i think yeah making a massive comeback i think the beaches in general to be perfectly honest with you i think that you know it's, it's going back to 
you know, old old times, well, not old times, but, you know, where people are happy to be on the beach, get an ice cream, some chips. But again, people are changing their menus all the time and, you know, doing some really amazing things. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So. I think that, yeah, the beach cafes are really competing for some of that restaurant trade and yeah. they're offering, um, yeah, interesting food and sometimes pizzas. <laughs> and um, they'll have like DJ sets or like sunset yoga and sunrise yoga and smoothies and, yeah, just all different types of things that you wouldn't necessarily put at a beach cafe. You know, you just think like chips, ice cream, yeah. Like that kind of thing but yeah interesting like wraps and like flavors and interesting things like yeah. that but so, I, yeah. chips are still go to there for a beach cafe <laughs> always <laughs> chips let's be honest it's like the smell of the summer like you know chips cheesy chips and sun cream yeah. <laughs> that's when you know summer's <laughs> arrived not all together please not together all, all those yeah. little donuts <laughs> the donuts for sure oh, oh my god hot donuts yeah. Yeah. there's nothing oh, better yeah. in this I world know. I love it so yeah we're going to do a quick fire round with you Rob okay. are you ready for yeah, that I'm prepared right best burger Bay Burger. What? The Bay? Mm-hmm. Over in uh, Abbey Sands? Yep. Right. Without well, here's out. Best Chips. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. I think it's the Bay. <laughs> Meat 59. Oh, is Meat... Mm. What? In Newton Abbott there? Uh, Newton Abbott, Torquay. They had one in Abbey Road. They're the best chips. Really? Yeah. 100%. Best Pizza? Oh, best Pizza is Otto. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and yeah, what's your go-to beach? My go-to beach? Yes. I'm biased, so I I would say Odicum. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Odicum. Yeah. Is that so, the best, like, near where you live? Or? Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, okay. it's, it's literally a couple of minutes away from home as well, but equally, it's just it, just that whole area, Babacombe Downs, is completely unspoiled. It's like going back mm. in time. It's, you know, um, the fact that, you know, the cliff kind of surrounds it, and it's, yeah. it's, it's just a very pretty beautiful little cove really. so we have a little competition running probably right. running now that we've released this podcast um we've got all the beaches there yeah and we're gonna see the torbay ranked highest beach okay so it's a people's Odic- choice people's award. choice awards okay. for the top beach in, in torbay <laughs> Odicum's your favorite yeah what's your prediction for the people's choice award <laughs> you can take a second we can edit out the silence no worries I think it'll be Anstey's. Mm. Ooh, yeah, okay. I, th- I, I think Anstey's is probably one of the most popular beaches in the Bay, isn't it? I agree. It? I agree. And again, I think it's a great location. Yeah. You know? I think there's uh, there's quite a lot to do there as well. Like, you haven't just got the beach, you've also got those rocks surrounding it, which I know a lot of people like to they, kind of clumber around. A lot of paddleboarding and things like that. Yeah. A lot of kayaking. It, yeah, again, a great location for paddleboarding because you can literally just fly around the corner and then you can be on Babacum, Odicum, yeah. and back again, or equally go the other way and head towards Meadfoot. So yeah. it's a great location, really, set off from. Yes. Mm. Yeah. That's right. Lynn, what's your prediction? Oh, I'm biased. Preston, always, Lynn is always at Preston. I'm always there. The beach hut is there. The beach hut is there and I am there. Long live the sugar shack. (laughs) That is amazing. Right. And I did have another question for the quick fire. I can't remember what it was though. I've got a question for the long fire. Well, go on. (laughs) I think it's a really important one. Yeah. But why is it, why is it important for, um, for a restaurant owner to find advice or seek advice um, from someone who's local and knows knows the area, what, is it important? Does that does that sway into the decision at all? A hundred percent. You've got to know uh, kind of the audience you're playing to. Not only do you understand the same as you know, hopefully you, your customer would, you know, restaurateur, hotelier, whatever it might be, but you've 
by having that knowledge of you know your local surroundings how seasonal things are it can help you make decisions on you know well actually i think this one might be a better route to go down and specify this piece of equipment you know down you know down times un, not so busy periods but equally when it is on it's really yeah. on yeah mm-hmm. so you know you've got to be able to perform and meet those demands so yeah i think from that point of view we also understand things like financial restraints and things like sure. that because with the best will in the world everybody can have a really good summer you know but that money can soon disappear depending on what happens through yeah. those winter months you know you've got to really rely heavily on your local kind of yeah. trade um, and I think to be honest with all the local little businesses that we've got I think that they've all got their own kind of little following now locally which is really nice because without that you know they just wouldn't be there you know you wouldn't you wouldn't survive the winter really yeah sure so it's kind of circling back to what we spoke about at the very beginning of this conversation which is not just looking at the kitchen isolated yeah actually looking at the whole business strategy and you guys are well 100 if, if, if someone's local they're able to understand that business strategy in the location as well 100 percent, 100 percent. it's about understanding location uh customer database you know what kind of people we're dealing with what their expectations might be what they'd like to see on their menu yeah because um, with the best will in the world you can get somebody come down with all the great ideas and you know from london or something like that but in reality, it might not necessarily work. Cause Good luck to the boathouse, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, we're just not London, are we? We're not city. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I yeah. think that people coming down here are usually from cities and expect to see, you know, certain different things. Yes. Mm. You know? So, yeah, no, I think it's it's great. And I think, you know, local people like dealing with local people as well, which is quite nice. Yes. Um, keeps, you know, keeps the money back in the community as well. It's yeah. not like it's going going anywhere else. Yeah. It means if, if, if something does go wrong in the middle of summer, so you've done your refurb in winter, something happens in summer you've got someone to with, shout at yeah, yeah within, within, within distance yeah exactly yeah. yeah exactly that yeah study on no, <laughs> not no, quite I ever that bad <laughs> <laughs> no I'm sure that you're yeah right on it but, so that's really good so yeah um, so where can we find all sop and pits after hours after dark after dark where did the, where's the all sop and pits crew uh, party oh, oh we, we always do something we try and do something every month um, believe it or not so yeah I think it's massively important for staff to get on and stuff like that and it's yeah. just yeah everybody out of work is completely different to in work as well aren't they mm. you know what I mean once you have a few drinks everybody loosens up that's it's, fun um, it's, yeah it's quite exciting where was your last party uh, it was just out in town we're yeah, just, yeah, just out in town. It's just oh, actually one of those. You cannot remember. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I was well and truly loose. I think. So, yeah. yeah, no, it, it was really good. But yeah, no, we try and do something. You know, once a month, whether it be bowling and then out for some drinks. I mean, it always ends up messy. Yeah, uh, as they do. Any, any kind of. <laughs> How big's the team? Um, so we've got forty. 43 members of staff. Now. Okay. What? Um, yeah. So That's obviously, huge. yeah, over big. over. Torquay, Cornwall Catering, and another acquisition which I can't say too much about now. No. Um, but we, yeah, we, we have just taken on, we are just taking over another business. Okay. Um, as well. So, yeah, it's, it's a big team. But like I say, I mean, it's you've, you've got little pockets within any business, haven't sure. you? Like the engineers get on with the engineers, and, you know, but we do try and bring everyone together, yeah. you know, which is nice. At least once a month. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, That's nice. Exactly. Really good. Yeah. Nice. And so where can we find Allsop and Pits? Obviously on your website, allsopandpits.co.uk. Yep. And then you're on Barton Road. And Yeah. And what's your mobile? Sorry. <laughs> no, I was going to ask the exact same question. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, literally. Is, is, is there a, no, what's the is there a office, phone number? Office yeah, yeah, phone of course. Yeah, can reach uh, out? yeah, 01803 310 Yeah. Easy. Uh, yeah, no, nice, easy number to remember. Um, just give us a call. I mean, anytime. There's an answer yeah. phone on there as well. I'll always pick up messages and deal with things. Perfect. So, we, you know, we're, we're very reactive. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. cool. So any complaints directly? Any complaints, <laughs> don't, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll shift somewhere else. We're not talking about complaints. Any new commissions for a brand new kitchen, get in touch with Rob. He's your guy. Definitely. Super. Thanks so much for coming on today, Rob. No, thanks very much for having me. It's been thanks, great. Rob. Wasn't that great? That was so interesting. You know what? He's a great sp- spokesperson for Allsop and Pits. He is. And really, I think... I, I'd i never heard of Allsop and Pits before we, before we had him on. Yeah. It's making me want to go into that showroom. I know. Yeah, he talked about the showroom yeah, quite a I, bit. It's good. I'm, I'm curious about the spoons he's selling in there. <laughs> <laughs> and also this week, we're delighted to hear from Simon Steer at Concilio Insurance. Simon is a local business owner, and he is dedicated to the hospitality sector in Torbay. He's out to save you money while making sure that you have the correct coverage, kind of a Goldilocks, not too much coverage, not underinsured, but it's yeah. just right. Let's have a listen. So I, um, I'm based in Torquay. Yeah. Um, I cover Torbay, Teambridge, um, South yeah. Hams down towards sort of Plymouth area. So Tor- so just write this down. Torbay, Teambridge. Um, what else was that? Uh, South Hams. So sort of yeah, um, Salcombs, Kingsbridge, that sort of area, and then okay. down towards Plymouth. Okay, cool. Um, do a bit in Exeter. But um, one, of my, one of my colleagues is based in Exeter as well, so okay. um, I don't cover up Exeter per se. It's, you know, if something comes up and it's not something that Josh deals with, then it's something I'll, I'll sure. to, to pick up. Yeah, how's the? I'm curious about the structure of the company. Like, so Concilio are a um, a tier organization. Yeah. Um, and basically, what that means is there's no, no management structure to it at all. Interesting. So we're yeah. all self managed. So there's. So you're essentially self employed. Yes and no. Okay. Well, no, I'm not, but no, okay. I feel like it. So, yeah, and, and that's why it's a bit weird when you say that because um, I get a, a salary, I get my benefits, got holiday pay, all that sort of stuff. That's but because um, it's a non-managed organisation, you're yeah. all self-managed. I literally can do whatever hours I want. Sure. Um, as long as I'm making money and you know I'm profitable, yeah. I get left on my own devices. That's nice. That's um, nice. So has it worked out like um, your cost to company and then your profit on top of that? Yeah, yeah, okay. basically. Um, yeah. Obviously, we all have an individual running cost um, and as long as we're covering our running costs and making some money, yeah. obviously, you know, that's what we're, we're all here to do. Yeah. Um, so as long as I'm, I'm doing that, then yeah, I literally get left to my own devices. That's nice. um, there is um, so Consilio started trading in 2018 with two people. Okay, um, so it's quite a fresh company. It's not- yeah, um, 2023. We are now 116 brokers strong. Then okay. we've got a central team as well. And when I say central team, marketing, um, HR, accounts, basically or yeah. finance. And where's um, where's the HQ based? Um, so 
are as an address so the, the head office is uh, Tower Street in London okay. um, but everyone is remote right. so we have two um, we have two company meetups uh, one in spring one in autumn yeah. um, and everyone from the company is invited encouraged to go to them not everyone can obviously if on holiday etc etc yeah um, but yeah, we all meet up usually Midland sort of area, and yeah. then we get given a sort of a company rundown how it's performing. Nice. Um, and then there's normally then a few sessions about um, teal working, um, okay. best practices, all that sort of stuff. Sure. Um, and it's just a nice way to to sort of meet up and meet up with all of the the rest of the company, yeah. or the majority of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we we there's now six people in the southwest so we meet up on a monthly basis yeah um and yeah i'm, that, that's I'm curious if you, if you guys are all essentially self-employed doesn't that encourage quite a lot of competition no so one of the main guys. things is is collaboration as well yeah and that's one of the main things they really sort of push to the forefront is yeah. collaboration um when i obviously i the majority of stuff i do is hospitality and leisure obviously yeah. being based in Torbay. um do construction insurance as well, fleet, um, do everything in between. But those are the major, major sort of the main ones I tend to, to cover. Um, just, let me just put that down. So we've got hospitality. Hospitality and leisure. That's, that's your number one, I assume. Probably my, my number one, yeah. So that's you know, your, your um, restaurants, cafes, pubs, restaurants, bars, um, etc. Yeah. Um, uh, construction, so sort of trades, contractors, that sort of stuff. Sure. Um, Property owners, um, so you know, rental properties, blocks of flats, that sort of stuff, commercial properties, um, and then fleet insurance. Cool. Um, those are the, the sort of the four main ones, if you like. I do. I do all. I do everything else of a commercial nature. Yeah. I probably do more of those four than I do of anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but and I said about collaboration. When I joined, one of my colleagues I joined with. Um, he um, specialises in professional indemnity insurance. So um, what's that specially? Professional indemnity insurance. What does that mean? Basically wrongful advice. Okay, um, sure. So yeah. solicitors, accountants, um, IFAs, those, those sort of people, okay. insurance brokers. Yeah. Um, but after having a conversation with him, yeah. I now look more towards that. I will be customer focused. Yeah. He'll be insurance focused. So okay. we work in... So although... Because, and that's probably the beauty of the fact we're not self-employed. We are still employed by Concilia. Yeah. We do have that collaboration where we can sort of work together yeah, and sort nice. of help, help, yeah. you know, help each other out. It's um, nice that you guys are still meeting once a month. Yeah. Like the six of you guys. Yeah. So there's, um, when I joined, there was one other um, person based in Exeter. Yeah. Um, that's now grown to be, uh, there's four of us. Um, in the southwest, with two um, marketing girls that are based in Exeter as well. Okay. Um, and we all meet once a month, once every six weeks as a maximum. That's but nice. that's quite nice to be able to, you know, sort of sit in front of of someone face to face and actually, you know, just be human if you like, yeah. rather than you do, know, do you share your ideas, share your wins and your losses, and that kind of exactly. Thing. That's yeah. that's exactly what it's like. It, it's sort of a, a bit of a check in to see how how we're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, from a, a personal perspective, um, a systems perspective, mm-hmm. um, a business development perspective. Um, you know, because someone might say, "Oh, well, actually, I'm not getting on so well in this area." And you can ask a couple of questions why, and then we might be able to share our experiences to help them out in that respect. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, that that's that's really sort of quite nice to do because you can 
be have you know and don't know how you know five six seven eight um, vehicles a day, yeah. but it's still not the same as sitting face to face or something. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So um, no, it's good. So what's I mean? What's the big difference between Concilio? Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. What's the big difference between Concilio and your your competition? So what's the like selling points for Concilio? Um, so we're not restricted to any handful of insurers. We've literally got, I'd probably say. Well, we, we've got in excess of um, 140 different insurance markets that we can go to. Correct. Obviously, not all of those markets will cover every product, but having that array of different insurers we can approach sure. means we can really get um, really good cover levels um, and then hopefully premiums for clients as well. Okay. Um, we're all about the, the service we can offer yeah. and making sure people are covered correctly initially. Yeah. Um, then we'll look at the premium. So, with the competition, do they have selected ones that they work with, like partners, essentially? Um, it varies. Some, some, some will be whole market brokers, but necessarily, they won't necessarily have the vast array of um, insurers available that we do. Sure. Um, but then there are some other brokers that will be pointed towards a select number of insurers and they have to sort of use them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because we focus more on the covers and make sure that cope, yeah, um, clients are correct, covered correctly in that respect, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be paying a fortune extra. Yeah. Um, I've um, taken on a new client uh, within the last few weeks, sure. um, quite considerably increased his cover, but was still able to reduce his premium by a considerable amount as, as well. Can you tell me how much? Um, circa 500 pounds, roughly. Yeah, um, pounds. or per annum. Per annum. But that is increasing the covers that he had by um, probably somewhere in the region of about £150,000. Okay, okay. So it's quite considerably up in the cover and yeah. still saves quite a decent amount of money. So what's the, what was the process like for that cl- the client onboarding? Like how, did they, how did you meet them? Um, what was the first couple of meetings like? How many meetings are there until this contract signed? So we've got um, internal um, lead generators, sure. if you like. Um, and they through email or um, they actually um, sent a quick email yeah um, and then followed that email up by um, phone call okay yeah um, called him twice um, and on the second time he answered his phone he, yeah sure he, he said who we were and what we could do is that I, you doing that or is there someone in so that was um, I, I can do it I do it but yeah. not necessarily as much as um, the lead generators we have within Concilia yeah um, and that was just it was from a, um, looking at hospitality and leisure businesses within Torbay yeah um, and they um, yeah got in contact with the client um, I went and met with the client sure um what does that first that first meeting look like when you go and meet the client? Obviously, that lead generators um, seeing uh, if they're qualified, that kind of stuff, and then once they verify them as qualified, then you'd go in. Yeah, essentially, yeah. The the, the lead generator will, will give them a call, yeah. have you know, introduce um, Consilio, sure. um, myself, um, if it obviously gets that far. Which hopefully, it always does. Um, and then ask if they'd like a quotation, yeah, sure. um, non-obligation quotation, um, and yeah, goes goes from there. Um, yeah. And from that point on, then it's sent over to myself. Yeah. Um, I then go and visit the client, um, yeah. and and go from there. Really. Okay. So the initial meeting with the client is um, a coffee. Um, yeah. You know, introduce Concilia and myself. Um, obtain as much information as I can. Sure. Um, 
if it's the risk is due at that stage. Um, it can be, obviously, insurance is only due once once a year. Yeah. So it can be that it, it's not actually due um, for six months or so. In, in that, which case... Yeah, I was going to say, I, in that case, he's still having a conversation. Yeah, in which case, I would go go and visit the client, yeah. um, introduce myself, concilio, uh, who we are, what we do, what we can do. Yeah. Um, and then make sure that we arrange a meeting with enough time yeah. to make sure that we're you know, giving them... Um, time to come back to us with any information we need sure. in um, ready for their renewal basically okay so if, if they've got like let's say there's a potential client that has nine months until their renewal like, or even t- 11 months like yep. just they've just done their, their renewal mm-hmm. um, would you then still give them that free no obligation quote or is it not really does it not really make sense it doesn't really make sense to do it that far in advance yeah. because the insurance market changes so rapidly um, insurers tend to only hold their uh, quotes for between 30 and 45 days yeah um, and with uh, quite a number of um, policies being based on the turnover of a company yeah obviously you, you don't know what the turnover will necessarily be sure um, but we would always go and visit the client introduce ourselves and then look to follow up you know eight nine months down the line yeah um, as and when they're due basically yeah okay and I mean, for someone who's uh, getting a call or for someone who's he- hearing about you guys and you, they can see it's a, there's no obligation quote, mm-hmm. there's a chance that they can save like up to 500 pounds, probably even more. Potentially more. Potentially um, more. Not necessarily. They, they wouldn't necessarily get to saving, yeah. but we would make sure they were covered correctly. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, in essence, that's what the main thing is about. Make um, sure that they've got they, the correct coverage. Yeah, they, there's no point in, you know, buying... A pre, you know, buying a policy for yeah. a small premium that's not necessarily going to cover everything it needs, you know, going to satisfy the client yeah. um, if they were to have a claim, yeah, etc. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's our, our main goal is to make sure the clients cover correctly, yeah, and then hopefully save them, save them money as well. Yeah. But I'm saying like there's a potential that they can they can save quite a bit of money. Oh god, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, re- real potential in that respect. Yeah. And what's the What's the objections that you, you face um, from someone getting that free quote? Is that they just don't want to put the time into it? They don't want to... Um, like, yeah, sometimes. The, to to be fair, we've not had... Um, we've not had that many rejections in respect of, no, we don't we don't want a quote from you. Okay, um, okay. It's... The, the main thing you tend to get, if, if someone's got a, a bigger claim that's open, we tend to say, look, you know, you, you're better off to stay where you are until that claim's closed. Yeah. Then we can look at it um, going going forward. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's um, someone's with a broker that they have been with for years and years and years, and sure. that's fine. Wouldn't want to step on anyone's toes in that respect. Um, but it's also getting the concilio name out there um, of who we are, what we can do, and, and go from there. Really. Okay. Um, what's like the? Is this this recent one that you were saying about about five hundred and you increase there? coverage is that kind of like um your your biggest success story is that the the client that you're most proud of helping or um the story similar to that recently yes um i've you know in my career i've i've done that multiple times yeah um but recently yeah you know with consider with um, with, with, with consider yeah yeah um but no in, in my career i've done that quite a number of times but okay. it's making sure it's going in and asking the the correct questions and yeah. you know, making sure that the, the coverage is there for the client. That's the yeah, thing. That makes sense. Yeah. So uh, have you been an insurance broker for, for quite a few years? Then, I assume? Yeah. So um, 
coming up for 11 years. Okay. Okay. Um, crazy. Yeah. So coming up for 11 years. Yeah. Um, so started off doing household private car. Yeah. Um, and then progressed into sort of just property, yeah. um, motor vehicle fleets, commercial vehicle, and then gone into sort of full fledged of commercial insurance as it were. Is there like a big difference between when you're doing, um, these different areas of insurance? Is there a big difference in the amount of work for you, the the process, or is the process quite similar with fleet and with um, commercial property and with um, hospitality, like the different areas? Yeah, the, the process is always very sort of similar. It, it okay. always starts with a, a fact find or, you know, um, these days, private car, you, you sort of jump online and get a private car quote within yeah. a matter of minutes. Is that um, the best way to do it? For private car, probably. Yeah. Is it? Um, from a rate perspective, yeah. obviously, if it's if there's issues in the respect of you know a, a lot of claims or yeah. or past you know bad history, yeah. then obviously no a broker would be the better way to go. Sure. Um, from a, a commercial perspective, a broker is always the way to go. You, okay. you can tend to get the smaller commercial policies online now, but you then will potentially be dealing with anyone and everyone yeah you know, you, you've got using the broker um using myself you've got a single point of contact um yeah. i've got um 116 or sorry 115 colleagues yeah. that i can then um use to build a team around someone so in my absence they would have a dedicated team where they are sort of looked after yeah in in my absence basically so yeah. they they would be dealing with sort of one to three people as a maximum. Okay, um, so as the broker, you're still, even if there's a, later on a, there's a claim or something, you're still involved in that conversation? Yeah. Oh, yeah, very okay. much so, yeah. Okay. I, I can get a claims handler to be part of the client's team as well as yeah. their sort of their um, their account handler, there'll be a claims handler, and then myself. I okay. would always be the, the first point of contact. Yeah. Um, and then the the claims potential would be handled by the claims handler or any amendments would be handled by the account handler. Yeah. Um, but it would always come back to me and it would be myself that would be the main point of contact with the client. Okay, okay. I'm curious about um, Torbay specific. Is mm -hmm. this, uh, this would be going on the Torbay Hospitality Podcast. Yep. What's some common misconceptions or areas around insurance that maybe people um, kind of just get wrong commonly? Um, or that they're not thinking about in, in, in terms of when they're looking for a policy or even policies that they don't even know that they, sh they should have maybe. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, if they are one, you know, one of those kind of people that, um, clients that would jump online and try and use the online, um, tool, that's not necessarily the best way to go because you're not okay. going to get the, um, the encouragement on the knowledge, the expertise, etc., from a broker as you would yeah. by you know picking up the phone and and speaking to a local broker. Sure, you know, so. local broker can can go and visit the the premises, yeah. um, really get a, a feel for um, for the premises. You know what they are, yeah. um, how they operate, yeah. um, that that sort of thing. Whereas nine times out of ten, if you speak to a call center, if you speak to or you go online. Um, you're not going to get the coverages properly because a they're not going to be explained to you, yeah. and b if you do speak to someone on the phone, they're not going to know what they're covering basically. Okay, okay. So when you say they're not going to get the coverage properly, is that like 
like break that down for me is that like you're not going to be covered for certain accidents so you're not going to potentially be, um yeah. you know if someone goes to get a quote online let's just say um the online form may not ask about um, the venue using um, entertainment, um, sure. music, that sort of thing. Yeah. Obviously, those, um, you know, if they have weekly entertainment or bands or live music, and that's not asked about, that yeah. potentially brings in more um, footfall, okay. um, high risk. Yeah. Um, is that known? Would that be rejected so, by... So would you not be covered later on if you had a claim and you had that, it was something to do with that? live music whether there's extra football potentially okay potentially it, it depends that would then go down to the insurer themselves and if they've got any um exclusions uh, yeah. endorsements around live music you okay. know some insurers won't want to touch it yeah. um some insurers are set up for it sure. so it depends um if it, if that question was asked that's just one out of you know probably 50 questions that would, that would be asked or should be asked yeah um when it comes to, to setting up a policy correctly. Okay. Um, you know, that that's more looking, you know, talking about sort of pubs, restaurants, um, or sorry, pubs and bars, etc. Yeah, even, um, even some small, smaller hotels. Yeah, smaller hotels, etc. Yeah. Um, you know, where we're, where we're based in, in Torbay, you've got um, the, you could have a, a bed and breakfast or a guest house, yeah. but they could have a bar within it. And, you know, yeah. and then it, it kind of potentially could be more of a, a bar than, than the guest house and that takes over that policy so it's yeah. bringing that information to the forefront for the underwriters to, to make sure they understand what they're covering so if there's a guest house I mean how many different policies um, on average would like one one guest house require like what's the what's the different policies that they're looking uh, at just a guest house we can we can do a guest house under one policy if it's just, just if it's a, a package policy set up for a guest house or right, okay. a bed and breakfast or a hotel and the package um, covers everything that covers the package would cover all of the liability or, yep sure. um, all your liability um, can cover the building um, if the building's not leased etc yeah. um, can cover all the contents can also cover the um, the owner's contents as well separately okay. so the, the general contents of the, yeah. the hotel or the, or the guest house etc um, so those are real specific package policies geared up for, for that type of cover. Okay, okay. This sounds very like, um, very hand in hand with law. I'm, I'm assuming you've had to, before you started um, your career in yep. insurance, how, what was the training for that? Was that a lot of legal stuff? Um, no, not really. No. Um, it's, you, you tend to pick up a, a bit. Um, yeah. I gained my certificate of insurance uh, nearly 10 years ago yeah. um, and there are certain modules within that certificate that you, you do sort of touch on it a, a little bit sure um, nowhere near to your solicitors or, or that type of thing but um, or that type of occupation but you but it sounds it sounds very like um, sounds like you, <laughs> you know what you're talking about in that, in that sense yeah well, you, the thing is when you've been doing it for nearly 11 years you tend to pick up yeah. um, stuff and what I like is the fact that where we are, I'm not a specialist broker in just dealing with one product. I yeah. deal with a vast array of, of products. Yeah. Um, and it's nice to have a variety as well. Yeah, for sure. What's your favorite? Um, I don't know if I've got one in particular. Okay. I, it's nice to deal with different ones because yeah, yeah, then you're not constantly dealing with this one or that one. You know, it's Definitely. it's nice to have a, a bit of a, a variation. Yeah. You know, it could be a could be a, a pub or restaurant or it could be a, a motor fleet or it yeah. could be a contractor's policy. Yeah. Um, and they, they all come with different sort of 
um, questions to be asked and, you know, endorsements to go through and all that sort of technical jargon. Sure. Um, but it's nice to have that variety. Yeah, no, for sure. I get that. I agree with that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. I mean, that's pretty much all the questions I've got for you. Cool. Yeah. Right here. Happy? Brilliant. Thanks so much for that. And turning to attractions news, there's a new appeal for donations for the Torquay Museum. They have launched a crowdfunding campaign to raise £2,500 to bring in an exhibition from the British Museum oh, to that Torquay. Would be cool. I know. That's really cool. Listen to this Egyptian hieroglyphics. Oh, Wouldn't yeah. that be cool? I think that would be so fun because it's like um, decoding and the little pictures and stuff. Uh, you can donate now to help them at crowdfunder.co.uk or you can click the link that's on the Torquay Museum website. We've already made our donation. How about you? Go check it out now, guys. Some sad news as the Babacombe Cliff Railway has had to close again oh, due to no. some technical issues. No. I know it's rubbish. Uh, but, you know, it's better safe than sorry, right? The yeah. great news is that you can still catch the big red van down to three degrees west in Otacombe. So thanks to three degrees west for providing that valuable service. And we hope that the Cliff Railway is back in business soon. I mean, it is a really old looking at least i'm not sure how old it actually is but it looks like a really old uh, yeah. mechanical lift mm. and i'm assuming with the age comes some uh some wear and tear yeah and fair enough that they're they're keeping on top of it making sure that it's safe for yeah. the for the tourists that come through absolutely it's for sure so we're going to turn over to some events the beach boys with a Z. <laughs> <laughs> the Beach Boys are coming to the <laughs> they're coming to the Palace Theatre on Saturday, the twenty sixth of August, in kind of a sing along tribute show. They're going to play thirty hit records, all performed live. So to get your tickets, go to palacetheaterpainton.co.uk. That's fun. Do you like the Beach Boys? The Beach Boys, yeah. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> this weekend, there's a community music festival. It's kicking off. It's called Yestival, and oh, it's yes. taking place at Brixham Rugby Club on Saturday, the 27th of August at noon. And their headliners are the dark side of Pink Floyd. Oh, yeah. Alan likes a bit of Pink Floyd. You know, I was just thinking that he would love that. <laughs> Shout out, Alan. You know, there's some um, tribute bands that just incredible yeah just I know. really really electric yeah so uh, good i think my i think my dad's gone to see the dark side of pink floyd before really i think so yeah There's, this saturday they've been, they've been in painting a couple of years ago i think this saturday over brixham rugby club get over there alan over at the grand in torquay is torquay rocks and that is on uh sunday Sunday, the 27th, and that's from 12 to 10 p.m. They've got 20 bands, singers, dancers, comedians, and they've got prizes, games, and family entertainment. Tickets are £20 per person when 100% of your ticket price goes towards a new cancer treatment. So check out Torquay Rocks on Facebook, and that's at The Grand. That's exciting. On <laughs> on the 2nd of September is the Big Paddle Parade. It's an epic world record attempt for the most stand-up paddleboarders on parade. Elite paddleboarders relieved from Abbey Sands Beach. Is that you? 20 um, kilometers? <laughs> <laughs> could you go from Abbey Sands all the way to Fishcombe? Yeah, no, I could do that for sure. Yeah, yeah. but I, yeah, the word elite kind of puts me off. <laughs> It makes me definitely second best things. <laughs> Connor's now an elite paddleboarder. <laughs> 
Um, elite, uh, excuse me, experienced paddlers are going to leave from Goodrington Beach and novice paddlers um, will glide out of Broad Sands Beach. And that all ends at Fishcombe. And once you're at Fishcombe Cove, you go in for the mother of all aerial photos and probably a big party. Chloe, you're going to... Put on Some, a bash. Something's going to happen, Chloe. Come on. <laughs> At Fishcombe Cove. So tickets are only £15 and they're available on Eventbrite. We hope to have Sean on the podcast next week. So yeah, we'll reach out to him and try to get that arranged. Actually, just on the note of Chloe and Fishcombe, um, yeah. I want to send condolences. Um, unfortunately, Chloe had a bit of an issue with a break-in. Oh week, no, I didn't know awful. that. Oh, really, really awful. But oh. I think she's had a lot of support, community Good. support, and she's, um, I think, started uh, start things back up either yesterday or today. Oh, okay. Um, so you know, condolences and you know, good good luck with the future of of that. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, we'll have to s- send her a quick message. Um, also on the second, um, while we're on the second with alongside the big paddle parade is Torbay Pride and that's on Tor Abbey Meadows and they've got a big parade all the way down the seafront to Soho and back. It should, well, I guess all the way to offshore. It should be a really great day for everyone involved. So that look out for that. And if you're thinking, I want to go yeah. to Pride, but I also want to go to the I paddle wanna, parade, the paddle parade. <laughs> do both, do both. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> just, just wear what you're wearing on <laughs> pride and, and take it onto the board that's right yeah they've got um a big uh, event at Tory abbey meadows so there's going to be all kinds of like tribute acts and a big market and the fun fair will still be there okay nice so that's fun that too. is very fun yeah um, on Sunday, the 3rd of September, the Ministry of Science is coming to this Princess Theatre. So it's at 2.30 in the afternoon. And so that's sort of like um, science experiments for kids, like kind of blowing things up and mixing things together, making new colors and stuff like that. Yeah. And so to get your tickets, it's atgtix.co to book. And also, oh, this massive upcoming event, the Agatha Christie Festival. So that is from Friday, the 8th of September to the 17th. And it is packed with events. They've got a fringe festival with music and family activities. And they have a full literary program. Oh, cool. I know that attracts international speakers and tourism. So you go to agathachristiefestival.com for more information. If you're interested in learning more about the festival, check back in our previous episodes because we did interview Matt Newbury, who is the, I want to say he's the chair. I think we called he's him everything. Yeah. He's in charge, basically, of the <laughs> festival. Then we called him the director, the chair, the spokesperson. I'm not sure where we called him, but he's the man to know who has all the information. And it was such a really nice interview. Such a great guy. Shout out to Matt. Really knowledgeable on topic. So, yeah, unreal. Um, and a really good episode anyway. So yeah, in the live music calendar tonight, Thursday at the offshore at 9 p.m. is Harbor Duo. And on Saturday, funk duo Schofield is playing the manor in Brixham. It's time for the weather. Saturday is partly sunny. Fully sunny. No, partly sunny. Partly sunny. High of 19. It's going to be cloudy on Sunday. No. So I know Saturday's the winner. Oh, no. That is so loud. So, yeah, Saturday's the winner of the weekend, but it's a bank holiday. Monday, 19 degrees, partly sunny. Well done, Monday. Congratulations. Yes, you're the winner. So, yeah, that's brilliant. So thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks to David, Simon. Thanks to Rob. And thanks to Callum, Connor, and Colin. (laughs) And thanks to Lynn. 
<laughs> and Th- thanks to you for thanks listening. Thanks for listening. Bye.